What is your favorite part of that process been, Asher? I honestly think it's been, it's the end result. It's always the end result. It's really nice being able to go, okay, I now know all about the subject and I have a font I can use, right? I mean, I haven't done that particular thing, but I've done lots of stuff in Blender. It's really nice to be confident that I know about a subject and that I did something right and that now I can use it in upcoming projects. Welcome to the Tilt Parenting Podcast, a podcast featuring interviews and conversations aimed at inspiring, informing, and supporting parents raising differently wired kids. I'm your host, Debbie Reber, and today's episode is another kids POV special, or what my 13-year-old son likes to call an Asher special. If you're a longtime listener of the show, you may have noticed that I'm not releasing Asher episodes as frequently as I used to. Now that Asher is fully leaning into his teenagehood, things are changing a little bit here, so I'm giving him lots of space and just respecting where he's at. So while he's told me he's definitely still up for continuing to record specials, my hunch is they'll be more spaced out than they used to be. And if you're a newer listener, I've recorded 18 short episodes with Asher since we first launched in 2016, so I encourage you to go back and check some of those out. Many of our listeners co-listen to those episodes with their kids, and I've heard from many people that these episodes are really useful for both parents and kids alike, just to hear about things from Asher's point of view. To access previous Asher episodes, just visit tiltparenting.com podcast and click on the button for Asher specials. But today, we do have a new episode with Asher, and the topic is areas of interest, as in, what is it like for Asher to have a deep area of interest? How would he like me as his parent to support his interests? Why does he get interested in things the way he does? And more. So if you have a child who likes to dive deep into things, whether it's Legos or dinosaurs or trains or bugs or anything, you might get some helpful insights from our conversation. And before I get to our chat, I wanted to let you know that I have just put together a little cheat sheet, a one-page downloadable PDF you can print out and stick on your fridge that features my 10 biggest parenting strategies I took away from all the podcast episodes I recorded last year. The cheat sheet features advice from Dr. Ross Green, author Jessica Leahy, executive functioning coach Seth Perler, and more. And it's designed to offer you quick, helpful strategies, a little parenting SOS, if you will. I also created six beautifully designed wallpaper quotes from these strategies for your mobile phone, so you can grab some inspiration on the go. Just turn on your phone and there it is as a reminder. To download those and the cheat sheet, just go to tiltparenting.com slash cheat sheet. And now here's my conversation with Asher. I hope you enjoy it. Hey, Ash, welcome to the podcast. Hello, mom and various listeners. Hello. We haven't done an Asher special episode in a while. And we thought today we would talk about the issue of deep areas of interest, because I actually get a lot of questions from listeners about that, specifically wanting to know more about your areas of interest and more specifically how they can support their kids. Because as you know, 
There are a lot of kids like you who get really, 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 really interested in something and then that something becomes their world for a while. And sometimes parents don't know how to be a part of that world. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Sound good to you? Yeah. Awesome. So just for listeners to have some context, I thought it would be interesting to just share what some of your deep areas of interest have been over the years. Do you want to tell us what some of them have been? Uh, Well, these are all various levels of depth. What do you mean? Well, space and the deep sea have been my deepest interests. Origami, Lego, Blender and Font have all been sort of superfluous. Not as important as the others. Blender or Font has never taken away from space. Okay. That makes sense. Despite them going on at the same time. So Deep Sea was probably the first one. Yeah. Do you remember when you got interested in that? No. It was kind of interesting. We were just back in the U.S. for the holidays, and we stopped by the Seattle Aquarium, where we spent a lot of time when you were younger. So one of the things I thought was interesting and you thought was interesting was at the aquarium, you still remembered everything. Yeah, I did. I remembered what everything looked like when we... Yeah, it was like all that knowledge of all those years was all still in there, just hanging out, waiting to come out. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So deep sea and space are kind of like themes. So you're saying they go way deeper than the other things maybe are interests, like Origami was a phase, I'd say, though, that lasted for about two years where you were pretty into folding any paper you could get your hands on. And then Blender was probably a good six to ten months of you really getting involved in maybe it's not as same depth as Deep Sea or Space. And now it's become more of a side project. Right, but it is still something that once you have that interest and it's it sparks you, then you want to learn a lot about it. You want to spend a lot of time in that space, right? Yeah, but Blender, Origami, they were never as deep as space. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. I know that, Ash, a lot of parents wonder, you know, I was researching and preparing for this interview because I do that with all my guests, including you. And I just was looking at deep areas of interest with kids. And one of the questions that came up a lot is parents want to know if they should curb their child's interest. Like if they have a, (laughs) sure, your eyes got really wide just now. (laughs) You know, if a child is really into something to the point where that's all they want to talk about and think about and, and explore, some parents wonder, like, is that a bad thing? Should I be exposing them to other things? Should I try to steer them in different directions? I'm curious to know your thoughts on that. What do you think? You think parents should steer their kids away if they're really into something? No, I think you should be allowed to pursue your interests. That's like, try to convince the world's best painter that they re- what they really need to do is sculpture, right? Why turn people away from things that they're good at and enjoy? Why risk all of that in the hopes of in the hope of getting a new similar interest? Like you already have something good, just keep it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that some parents get worried that um, 
or maybe they can't see the practical application of something. And so they don't take it seriously as something that actually benefits a kid. But do you think that giving a child a chance to really lean in and and totally explore their areas of interest benefits kids? Yeah, definitely. I'm wondering about how it works with a friendship. So my hunch is that your areas of interest tend to go deeper than most other kids your age. Like, have, have you met other kids who share, who go as deep into their, the things they're interested in as you do? Or have you always found that you kind of go a little bit deeper than most of your friends? Uh, I think I go a bit deeper than most of my friends. Has that ever been a problem? Like, have you ever had a friend who wasn't as interested in something you're interested in, and then that became a problem in the relationship? No. Because I'm interested in lots of things. I mean, I didn't used to be, but now I have. Really, most of my most of my interests came about because of my perfectionism. Most of my minor interests, like, for example, yeah, for example, I needed a font for something but I couldn't find any fonts that I liked. So I decided to make my own and that's how I got into typography. I'm not even interested in typography. I just want to make a good font that I can use. Well, for someone who's not interested in typography, (laughs) you sure know a lot about it now. You've become kind of... I'm not, yeah, I'm not interested in typography itself. I, I want something, a font, that I can only get if I know typography. I can only make if I know typography, and thus, and thus, you're gonna go in and learn what you need to learn. Yeah, exactly. That's why I got interested in Blender too. I needed a 3D render or something, and then I became all obsessive about photorealism. And now I'm like simulating different wavelengths of light so I can have dispersion and things, and just in case I ever need to render anything with that in it, right? Just because that happens every day. Just in case. (laughs) We'll be right back after this quick break. This year, I've been working on becoming more attuned to my body. And so I'm starting to really recognize how periodic spikes in anxiety or disruptions to my routines can seriously throw my whole system off. And as I've been traveling a ton this past month, which is both disruptive and somewhat stressful, I'm especially glad that I have the extra support of Symbiotic Plus, a three-in-one supplement from Ritual with clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics, and a postbiotic to support a balanced gut microbiome. Symbiotic Plus provides fuel to the cells that make up the gut lining to support a healthy gut barrier. And it comes in this very cool minty delayed release capsule, which was specifically designed to help survive the harsh conditions of the upper GI tract for delivery to the colon. The bonus is that the capsules don't need to be refrigerated, so I can easily bring them with me in my carry-on. On a personal level, I love that Ritual is committed to sustainability. They're a female-founded B Corp, meaning they are holding themselves accountable long-term to not only think about their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. There's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash tilt. Start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash tilt for 25% off. Hey there, it's Debbie. I love making this show and sharing conversations about how to support our awesome neurodivergent kids. I've seen how even one little insight from an interview can spark a big shift in daily life. 
But I know that raising complex kids can be messy and lonely. And just when we think we figured it out, something comes up that boots us right back to feeling overwhelmed and stuck. That's why I've poured everything into creating a way for parents like us navigating complex parenting journeys to join together and chart a path that feels positive, hopeful, and doable. It's the brand new Differently Wired Club experience. In the club, you'll get personal support from me and other seasoned parent coaches, six live calls every month where you can connect and get your personal questions answered, the opportunity to learn directly from authors and experts like I have on this show, monthly themes for getting specific and tactical, an exclusive private podcast feed, and the best, most generous community of parents. Seriously, these folks show up for themselves and each other, and that right there is really everything. Because it's a daily reminder that we're not alone. Our kids aren't broken, and we have totally got this. The recently rebooted Differently Wired Club is on a brand new platform with its very own iOS and Android app. It is such a great space. However you learn, whatever your style, no matter the ages, genders, and neurodivergent profile of your children, the Differently Wired Club can help you cultivate the positive shifts you're hoping for. Join us today by going to tiltparenting.com slash club. That's tiltparenting.com slash club. I hope to see you on the inside. It's interesting that you use the word obsession. And I'm curious to know your thoughts on that. Because I think that is something parents worry about, or they wonder about, like, is this interest moving into an obsession? And, you know, obsession has a negative connotation. And actually, obsessions can disrupt your life if they become something you focus on too much. Obsession. I don't remember that. You did. You just kind of mentioned it. And I, I I don't think that you are obsessed so that, but I was curious, but you mentioned the word obsession. Um, oh, yeah, I did. I was, I'm obsessed with having everything just the way I want it. Yeah. I don't want to have anything out of place or like, I don't want to every time I, every time I look at a document I've made go, oh, that font. I wish I'd used a different font. Or, oh, it's in a perfect circle. The line of symmetry on the E is off by a few degrees. And so my own font that has none of those problems. Unfortunately, you live in a world full of imperfect fonts. And thus, I will surely end up good at everything. (laughs) I mean, we built all of civilization from scratch the right way. Oh, my word. Okay. No, that's not obsessive at all, Asher. Oh, no. That would be an obsession if I reinvented all of modern civilization, just so I could. One of the questions a parent wrote, and you kind of answered this, but see if you can go a little deeper with it. I'm curious to whether your areas of interest change completely over time or if they stay within the same area, but evolve and become more sophisticated as you get older. Mm. I would say they change. Don't change completely over time. I still retain all of my knowledge and interest about the previous thing, but I don't, but I'm not active anymore. You know, I still find oceanography interesting and I go to aquariums and know lots of obscure facts, but I don't like, well, I don't go to aquariums. No, but if we're traveling and there's a nice aquarium there, you're still very interested. Yeah, we'll go there. Yeah. But but you're not all marine life all the time. No. Yeah. And, it, you know, I'm curious about space is 
that's your broad, deep area of interest right now. Um, that's kind of yeah. replaced oceanography and deep sea. And do you see that it hasn't waned in a couple of years? Do you see that one lasting? Yes, because space is a whole lot harder to explore than the ocean. Right. No film director is going to. James Cameron ruined it for you, didn't he? Yes, he did. Listeners, that's I'm referring to when James Cameron explored the Marianas Trench. That was a difficult blow for Asher. That was the easiest thing to explore. Yeah. That was the easiest thing to explore on Earth. That hadn't yet been explored. The last big thing to explore. Yeah. But nobody's going to explore space in less than 20 years. Right. So you can still be on the cutting edge of that. Yeah. That's the main reason for the shift. Yeah. Makes sense. I really like this next question from a listener, and it's something I'm really curious about, actually. This person writes, Hi, Asher. My 13-year-old son is homeschooled. Will I take some of the fun out of his deep interest by incorporating them into schoolwork? Ooh, I don't know. Personally, I I don't that much like to have my interests incorporated into schoolwork because often the person doing the incorporating doesn't know as much about them as I do. Are you talking about me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I get all caught up on the details that you got wrong. And focus even less on the schoolwork. Hmm. But maybe that's just because I'm a perfectionist. So, well, here's my question then that's related to that. The first year we were homeschooling, you were still really into marine biology. And so I signed you up for a virtual class on oceanography. Do you remember? Yeah, that was fun. So I wasn't teaching you. I didn't know that much about it. But I was like, oh, this is something he's really into. Let me find a class. Or I saw you were getting into Photoshop. And I was like, oh, let me see if I can find a class on Photoshop. Now you... And I still haven't done it, but I'm meaning to. <laughs> but so that's that's what I mean. Like, And maybe this is what the listener was wondering too. If you're really into something and then I find opportunities... And to build those into school and say, oh, if you really want, want to work on that, let's read a book about this then. Or here's a class about yeah, that. Yeah. When, when, I'm, when you said incorporating into schoolwork, I thought like making word problems like in, vo- in math, like involve. Oh, I see. Like Timmy's school of fish has three fish in it. If he meets another school with eight fish, how many fish will the new school have? All right. So that would be uninteresting to you. Yeah, I don't like that. But finding resources and books or videos yeah, or classes. Yeah, incorporating the subject itself into schoolwork. That wouldn't make you lose interest in something? No, it wouldn't make me lose interest in something to have to do it for school. It wouldn't, for me, at least. Yeah, and it wouldn't take the fun out of it. No. Oh, that's good to well, know. Well, as long as it's done well. Yeah, and I'll just add that, you know, with your current interest with regards to the font, that's something that oftentimes we're doing school and that's something you'd rather be doing. And I also recognize that you learn a ton through doing the font. Like there's so you're using math and you're using organization and you've Yeah, I've learned a lot of trigonometry. Yeah. And you've learned, you know, that leads into different scripts and languages and things. And I've also learned the whole Cyrillic and Greek alphabet. 
Right. So I see benefit in all of that. So because because it wouldn't be fair to do just Latin and Greek. I had to do Cyrillic too. Right. We need to be fair with our font creation. Because Latin is what is what English is in, and Greek is used in lots of scientific stuff. Right. So I needed both of those, and I figured, oh, I might as well do Cyrillic. It's only fair. It's only fair to almost double my workload. Well, it has been, and you know, we were figuring. I think it's been four months or something since you started working on this. So it has been. And I remember my art teacher used Cyrillic. So it's all turned out to be worthwhile. Well, yes. And as I was saying, I recognize that you're getting a lot out of it. So maybe a month ago, I suggested, why don't we just make this a class some days? And because I'm totally fine with that. So that's one thing that we've done in homeschooling is make font a class on some days. Has that yeah. worked well for you? It has because likely it's not. I've had some inspiration and I can't wait to try it out. Yeah. Okay, cool. Here's another question for you. This listener says, my question is how can parents support an area of deep interest that they have no particular knowledge of or sometimes no personal interest in. Well, if you have no knowledge of it, that's simple enough. Just listen. When the subject is talking about it and you'll learn some stuff. <laughs> when the subject, the child, do you mean? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So listen to the child. But what if it's a younger child who wants to know more about something, but you as the parent don't know anything about it and you're not really that into it anyway? Like what would you as a kid want from your parent in that situation? Um, I would want them to buy me books on said subject, mm -hmm. but not basic books, like medium to advanced books. Because at least for me, I know all the basic stuff and I would be insulted. Well, when you were younger, you needed to learn the basic stuff. So I guess it depends on your level and your age, right? Right, yeah. Okay, so buy books. And then you said, listen. So that's something I wanted to share with listeners that that's a big part of what I see my job as. I don't even mean the word job, but I do consciously set aside time. And often it's during our walks or our runs to just listen to what you want to share about your projects. Yeah. Do you think that's important? Yeah. Have you found that friends aren't as interested to listen about things? Or is it important for you to be able to talk about these things? Yeah, it's not as important to be listened to as it is to talk about them. Oh, really? Yeah. Some of the time I find myself working out problems just with Mickerson here. Mickerson? Yeah, you know, I'm like, Mickerson, the serifs on this letter are too small. What do I do? And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I should do that. Thanks, Mickerson. And He's never said anything, but I just work it out in my head. Kind of like when I'm looking for something and I'm like, Mom, where are my headphones? And then before you answer, I find them and then I go, thanks, Mom, even though you haven't helped me at all. For some reason, asking you for help has helped me solve the problem on my own. And just for listeners, Mickerson is, do you want to explain who Mickerson is? Because we have a lot of new listeners. He is a purplish blue stuffed animal. A monster, right? 
Maybe I'll share a photo of him. No, you can't. It has to stay secret. What? His identity. He's a secret agent. Dude, you have painted him. There's paintings all over the place of Mickerson. Exactly. But you can't know that's Mickerson. <sighs> okay. It's all top secret. Okay. So, yeah, and actually that strategy, Asher, that you were just saying where you just want to talk things through, that's um, – we watched a short video by Dan Pink about that. What was it called? A rubber duck? Problem solving. Problem solving. Where you just take a rubber duck and you're like, rubber duck, help me. I can't figure out how to do this letter on the font. It looks – too weird, the rubber duck's like, have you tried making the serif bigger? The rubber duck does not talk back. But no, it's- <laughs> no, no, I wasn't paying attention. And you're like, oh, yeah, I could make the serif bigger. And you go off. Yeah, it's basically just verbalizing something you're stuck on can help you figure it out. So you don't have to verbalize it to another person. Sometimes just uh, an inanimate object will work. And some sometimes Mickerson is a better listener than I am. Right. Much less annoying to other people if you use an inanimate object. And plus that way you get the solution entirely on your own. So I just wanted to, before we wrap up, just for listeners, just share that for me specifically, some of the things that I have done to support Asher's area of interest. One is what we just discussed that I'm really always up for a conversation to talk about it. I really, and I try to understand, I will admit that I do not always understand, especially when you're talking about things you're doing in Blender. I do the best I can. And sometimes I need you to, sh- to show me exactly what's going on. But I also know that it is just important for you sometimes to be able to share things. And then what I'm good at helping you do is problem solve if you're stuck on more of a process kind of a thing. Yeah, because I'm like, you. I need to map the IOR to the lambda to correctly simulate chromatic dispersion. And you're like, what? Oh my God, I'm falling asleep just hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Um, so that's one thing I do. Um, another thing that I try to do is use your area of areas of interest as a launch pad for other things. So I always want to support you in your personal projects because if you're really excited about something and you are so focused when you're working on a project related to an area of interest. And so for me, I think, well, this is a great time then to also build in some of those other skills like planning and goal setting and scheduling and all of those kind of executive functioning skills that are so important for every kid to learn. I see your areas of interest as a great way to work on those because you're already personally committed and invested Yep. Do you know that I'm doing that at that time? To- at the time, doing what? That I'm using your areas of interest to sneak in all this other skills building. What other skills building? <laughs> I just said scheduling, planning, problem solving, goal setting. Oh, yeah, those are skills I need to know to complete the projects. Right. You're just helping. It's a win-win. We'll be right back after this quick break. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, 
we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Another thing that I do is I tend to send you articles. So Ash and I communicate on Skype a lot, sometimes from different floors of our apartment or sometimes by- In fact, we're communicating on Skype from different floors of our apartment right now. We are indeed. Sometimes I'll be out working at a cafe and you'll be here and I'll stumble across an article about something SpaceX just did and I will Skype it to you and I'll just, or I'll email you and say, hey- found this, thought you might find it interesting. So I try to curate things for you too. Yeah. And then as I said, sometimes making an area of interest a school subject. So those are kind of the key things that I do personally to support areas of interest. And and I learn a lot. I have to say, I have learned so much through Asher's areas of interest. And I think that's kind of cool. So I just had a couple fun questions. One is, when did you notice your interest in creating fonts for the first time? And that was because you didn't find any fonts to be good enough. Nearly, I would say at least three quarters of my interest are because I needed something and nothing existing was good enough. Right. So I learned a whole skill just to do it right. What is your favorite part of that process, Ben Asher? I honestly think it's been, it's, the end result. It's always the end result. It's really nice being able to go, okay, I now know all about the subject and I have a font I can use. Right. I mean, I haven't done that particular thing, but I've done lots of stuff in Blender. It's really nice to be confident that I know about a subject and that I did something right and that now I can use it in upcoming projects. Mm-hmm. Do you think that confidence bleeds over into other things that you want to learn about? Kind of, yeah. I'll definitely be more willing to learn something new if I know it'll end up with another thing I can use. Hmm. Yeah, most of my projects are practical projects to make more projects from. For example, with this font, I can now use this font to like write things in. So all of my documents, et cetera, for other projects can be in my font. Mm-hmm. And I especially measure 
everything Spanish readable too. So actually worst case scenario, I redo all the lowercase because the X height is too low, but otherwise. Yeah, you're getting there. When uh, this is my last question and it's actually just someone wanted to know what your favorite and least favorite fonts are just one of each. Mm. Well, my favorite font is either Dido or Bodoni. I think probably Bodoni. Yeah, that's what I was going to guess for you. And my least favorite font is either Comic Sans or Papyrus. (laughs) Yes. It's always a joy to be out walking with you somewhere and then have you spot one of those two fonts on a sign. Yeah, and I developed a pet peeve for when people use... For when people spell I-J and Dutch as a Y, because they're actually separate letters. Mm. And they can be, they're drawn together as a ligature, but only in lowercase. And so it's very annoying. Got it. Okay. Before we go down the font the rabbit hole. Rabbit hole. Things that annoy me. <laughs> yeah. Let's um, wrap this baby up. <laughs> yeah, I, can, I, I don't even think I could write a list. I wouldn't be able to remember all of them. <laughs> So I I just have to, I if I wanted to make a list I'd have to like walk through the whole city and just as soon as I saw things that annoyed me write them down. Mm. Oh, that sounds like a great field trip idea for another day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that font that uses a Y instead of an I J, and I like write that down Y instead of I J. <laughs> line on the K is diagonal, and I like write down diagonal K. And <laughs> okay. Before we say goodbye, is do you have any last thoughts, maybe advice for kids who have a really deep area of interest that maybe other people don't really get or appreciate? Any thoughts for the kids listening? There are so many areas of interest. There's sure to be a community. Mm, that is fantastic. And if there is a community, they probably have a forum with useful advice. Excellent. That's how I've solved a lot of problems in my font. Yep. Actually, there's a typographer's forum, and I'm like, does the X height of a font really matter that much to its readability? No, not really. Although generally it's traditional to use a smaller X height for titles and all this useful information. That's great, Asher. I so appreciate that tip, and I think it's a great one and a great reminder that there are people who share your interests they're out there and they're probably hanging out together in communities online. And um, that's great to know that you're never really alone, even if the people in your immediate family or your friends don't necessarily get what you're up to. Yeah. Awesome. All right, Asher. Well, thank you so much for this conversation today. I get a lot of feedback on the Asher specials and I know a lot of parents listen with their children and I just really always appreciate you being willing to share what's going on inside your head and your thoughts and feelings about all this stuff. So thank you so much. You are very much welcome. You've been listening to the Tilt Parenting Podcast. For the show notes for this episode, visit tiltparenting.com slash session 92. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to help me cover the cost of producing it, as well as help me cover the cost of getting transcriptions done, which is something I'm going to start doing. And actually, I'm going to go back to the backlog of all the episodes and get caught up. Please consider signing up for my Patreon campaign. Patreon is a simple membership platform that allows people to make a small monthly contribution as little as $2 a month to fund the show and the transcriptions. 
If you want to help, visit patreon.com slash tilt parenting. There's also a direct link to that on every podcast episode page. Lastly, if you like what you heard on today's episode, I would be grateful if you could take a minute to head over to iTunes and leave us a rating or review. Thank you so much. And thanks again for listening. For more information on Tilt Parenting, visit www.tiltparenting.com. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talk to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it.